last time on Dice Funk. Dinosaur Ostrich Hybrid, the Bozog. If you want me to go to Ilium and Gazoe, I may need some assistance as far as manpower. Are you asking me to sponsor a hellish invasion of the Prime Material Plane? You only needed me as lo- so long as I could be beneficial to you, and there are people in this world who are happy to have me around when I'm not killing people on their command. She's just gonna calmly walk towards Danto and just say, I guess this means our partnership is over. And she's going to cast Sunbeam on, uh, sunbeam on him. <gasps> Your sister might be in a bit of trouble right now. Uh-huh, you got a sphere under one arm, dog under the other. Love this image. <laughs> and Stella Rose is going to say, so where was it you all wanted to go? I feel like I should go back to the chapel, but at the same time, maybe that's not the safest place to go right now. Are you God? I'm Bozog! <laughs> I have a feeling that while we've taken care of like some of the big bads here, the standard of living in Ilium is not guaranteed to get any better. Its current status now is that there are like military encampments around the outside. There are a plague of ostrich dinosaurs who are in the middle of some sort of existential crisis. The team has teleported <laughs> right into the middle of it. They don't know this, but of course our audience knows that there is also an invasion planned uh, somewhere off on another plane of reality. So there's still a lot going on, but yeah, we are winding down to the finale in a couple of episodes here. We have time management issues, though, as players, (laughs) so we'll see how that turns out. Mm -hmm. So I guess we better just jump in, huh? I think that we don't need to draw out the Bozog scene. You guys land in a pile of Bozogs, and they're just doing their delightful shtick. Everyone except for, like, one person in the fandom loves the Bozogs. <laughs> they're they're big hits. And uh, as you guys are dealing with that, uh, the Bladesingers fly over because they're monitoring the situation for people like you teleporting in. And you guys are confronted by someone who is Sildiel Valamin. You don't know this, of course, but she hits y'all with that zone of truth and questions your motives. I assume you all just tell the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's no reason for us to lie about who we are at this point. So we're going to be pretty much forthcoming with whatever we have to say. She hits you with that halt who goes there and y'all like... Hit us. I mean, eventually after questioning, she lets you in. Uh, She tells you that if you're looking for the mayor, she's in the mayor's office, which is news to all of you. But they let you in. What do you guys do? Go to the mayor's office. Yeah, I I think going to the mayor's office to figure out, you know, what's going on. Who's the mayor? They give you direction to the mayor's office, and it is directions to what used to be the avant-garde's headquarters, of course. Except now there's a, just a paper sign that they taped over the turtle insignia, and it just says mayor's office. <laughs> uh, in that case, considering that it's the building that we previously used, I'm just going to, like, rock in as if there's, you know, I don't need an appointment or anything. My bedroom's in there. Yeah, just Kramer right into that, that building. Yeah. Is everybody going? Stella Rosa will not. Where are you going, Stella Rosa? She says, so it's been fun, you know, traveling across the cosmos with your planar transportation with you all. But I have some things I still need to do for the moment. So I was wondering if you might be able to do me a little bit of a favor. Mm. So if you're headed into town, could you not mention me being here to Zoe? Why? (laughs) (laughs) 
Zoe knowing will probably complicate things in a necessary way. Understand, I'm not trying to keep secrets from anyone for completely baseless reasons, and I'm more than happy to share part of what I'm doing here with everybody if you would like to know later. But for the moment being, Zoe and I are both better off not sharing my presence in this area for the time being. Yeah, but the problem is when that lie unravels and it's like, why didn't you tell us that, you know, why didn't you tell me my sister was here? And we go, eh. Also, a large reason why Zoe even came here in the first place was, well, in part because of you, Stella Rosa. Oh, I'm quite aware. Zoe has had a little bit of a complex regarding that. But understand that the work I'm doing here is something I have to see to completion. Chris, you better hope the player who controls Zoe doesn't ask any questions that would blow your cover. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> hey, Zoe's player, can you keep a secret? Hey, guys, apropos of nothing, but have you seen my sister recently? <laughs> um, okay, so Stella Rosa is going to split off from the rest of the party. Uh, obviously, you don't know anyone or anything in Ilium, but where do you go? Uh, I imagine she'll look around for a bit and then finally find the Hawthorne house, which, how, although it's been destroyed, is still partially intact in places and will function as just a good place to work with some manner of privacy for the time being. Yeah, it's a good spooky abandoned house that you could squat in <laughs> for a while before the elements reduce it to uninhabitable. All right, so Veltari kicks in the mayor's office's front door and strolls in like she owns the place. Uh, Winifred and Zoe Legrand are there. They're looking over documents. Winifred has a clipboard. He looks like he's thinking very hard about all the appointments. And then, then they see you come in, obviously. Ah, it's you guys. Ah, a jellyfish. Ah, a rude ass. <laughs> <laughs> Mara, it's a flump. You should know this. Don't tell me what I should know. <laughs> Secondly, he is a friend, an ally, and Winnie, Zoe, I don't know what happened here, and we'll find out soon enough, but I'm glad you're both alive right now. When did, when did we all become the mayor? <laughs> <laughs> That's how government works. We're all a mayor now. <laughs> yeah, if you're inside the mayor building, you get to be mayor. <laughs> it makes things really complicated. We really got to finish that constitution, Zoe. <laughs> Tomorrow, I'm sure we're going we're gonna to knock it out. You know what? We're going to have a big dinner tonight because we deserve it. And then tomorrow, we're going to knock out that constitution. If you need help drafting something up like this, I can help, Zoe. I, you know, laws, bylaws, that's kind of my wheelhouse, you know. That sounds boring. Our constitution's fun. Yeah, it's all about bears and the arms they have. It has puzzles on it, like <laughs> mazes and stuff you could do. It's like a Denny's placemat. Yeah. How else are we going to give a copy to everybody? Roland's going to lead it really close to Winifred and whispers, I would probably suggest writing something that's a bit more uh, legally binding, but that's just me. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys are going to catch up. We don't need to go blow by blow. Although I think it's funny, looking back on last episode as I was editing it, editing it for the last time, I think the fight, uh, it sounds like, from a listener perspective, like you guys just walked in there and just murked Danto easily. But when you step back and look at it from kind of a structural perspective, 
there was like a hundred points along the way where you could have failed and you just so happened to do super well. Like if you guys had tried to sneak weapons in, mm. that would have doomed you. If you guys had failed any of your deception checks, that would have doomed you. If you had tried to role play in a way that made Stella Rosa not like you, that she would have doomed you. If you entered the fight too early, he could have called for guards. If you entered too late, yep. <laughs> Roland would have died. Like You could look at just the raw dice and damage, but the circumstance that the fight took place in what allowed the fight to play out the way it did. We stacked the deck in our favor so aggressively before the fight even began. Uh, it was just hard to really to, to notice just like what had happened until the fight was over. It was just like, wait a minute. Oh, right. All these things, even the down talking of Roland the entire time to perhaps make Danto underestimate him. Maybe that's the greatest con. Which had a lot to do with Veltari being very deceptive. And like the her whole arc was like, I'm a badass and I'm good, but I don't know what to do. And then it was like, oh, I can be good and be my deceptive self, just like Mara suggested on the boat. And like she pulled it off. And I feel like that would be easy to overlook if you kind of just take the events at face value in a synopsis form. Fascinating. So... <laughs> <laughs> Roland, after hearing kind of everything that's happened from the alien side, just states, obviously Dora's not around here, but when we find her, this is going to be a very awkward situation to deal with. What do you mean when we find her? I don't think anybody's looking for her. Yeah, if you're looking for Dora, then keep that out of Ilium, please. Oh, I don't intend on bringing Dora to Ilium, Zoe. I'm just, I just have... A bad feeling about what Ganadar might be trying to do as a result of what has happened. That seems like a pretty optimal opening to switch to Adora scene right quick. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. It's always like setups, right? Yeah, while you guys integrate your way back into Ilium society and, you know, put your stuff down <laughs> and maybe take a <laughs> bath or something. Uh, Theodora, you are currently in hell. You suggested to Zariel, the archdevil of the first layer of hell, that she should help you kidnap Zoe Legrand by giving you an army of devils. Hell war. Yes. It was difficult. Last episode, you chanted hell war, hell war, hell war for a while, but it was I had to cut most of it because the audio quality was too bad, but you did that for a while. You were very excited. Hell war. <laughs> okay. Need it. Love it. Gotta have it. The Coldstone Creamery of invading the Prime Material Plane. Exactly. Zariel didn't seem jazzed about the idea, partially because of the political implications and partially because she asked you to do a thing and you came back like, hey, can you actually do the thing? <laughs> so she told you she needed time to think about it and then she sent you off. And some time has passed, just as back in Ilium, time passes as the our protagonists settle down and reintroduce themselves to everybody and check on the situation and small talk, drinking, fun, food, all that stuff. Meanwhile, Theodora has been waiting and she finally, after who knows how many days, time, night and day work differently in hell. After a bit of time, she is summoned not to Zariel's keep where they've had all their previous meetings, but to the gates of hell. To the entrance where all the new souls come in. Uh -oh. That's where she has summoned you. <laughs> That's where she wants you to meet her. Oh, jeez. That doesn't sound fun. I mean, it sounds fun, but it sounds... Why not? Oh, we'll find out. Okay, I go. It's pretty spooky. So you go out across the like steel plains of 
Avernus, the first layer of hell, where fire rains down from the black sky and there's just screaming from every direction as people like crawl, their legs broken, as they spend all of eternity choking on their own blood as they eventually make their way to the maggot pit where they fall in. It's a pretty yeah. cool, chill vacation spot. It's basically a Margaritaville. Of hell. And so you make your way past that and people like look at you, but no one stops you or does anything because they know. Everyone knows you're you've got friends in high places. And so you make your way to the gates, which is just this like swirling vortex, basically a portal where new souls enter after they've died and they join this infinitely long queue. The way that the cosmology of our universe works, fifth edition is a kind of a kitchen sink approach. Most of it's planescape. But for all you really need to know is that when people die, their souls go to the afterlife. They become what are called petitioners, which are the souls of the people, like their pure essence. They don't have memories of their mortal lives because memories are stored in the brain, electricity and chemistry. And so these are like pure essence of people. First, they take on the form of whatever the people in charge of the plane want. So if you're in the beast lands, you become an animal. If you're in... The abyss, you become like a gross slime monster and you eventually work your way up to be a stronger demon. In hell, you're just this kind of black charred like husk thing. Just basically like a, a, a zombie, but burned. A warm zombie. <laughs> um, and they're just, in, there's an infinity of them. There's, there's just infinite of them in a line as they kind of shuffle towards the gates. And there's a big horned red, it's like Satan classic demon there or devil i'm gonna i I try not to fuck that up it's so easy to fuck that up devils and demons are the exact opposite of each other i apologize i'm sorry gary gygax did this to me and he's like sitting there with a book in front of a podium and he's like checking people in basically and there's no qualifications if you've made it to hell you're getting in it's just for the pure misery of having to stand in a line and you see zariel's waiting for you there once again just as huge imposing evil figure with the great black wings and she sees you walking across the blasted hellscape and she just kind of smirks at you as you approach yo <laughs> sup right on time i'm punctual that was a joke we don't have this <laughs> damn fell right for it yeah we got you it's a classic hell joke there's no time <laughs> Um, <laughs> she like waves you past the, the devil guarding the gates and into the crowd. There's just like a sea of these petitioners as far as the eye can see. And she's just walking down the rows of them. She has like one claw out and she's just raking it across them as she walks and they don't respond. And she's, as she starts walking uh, away from you, she says, walk with me. That's what I'm doing. She's being casually cru cruel in a way that's clearly theatric. Like she wants to see your reaction to her just lording herself over all of these souls and just like slashing their arms off casually as she walks. And she says, once a very long time ago, Lady Nim, well, we didn't call her that at the time, but Nim and I, we were angels. Does that surprise you? I mean, nothing really surprises me. Very jaded, I see. Yeah, you know, I do my best. I can relate to that. I remember... Even now, the first time I saw a mortal die, I wept for weeks. And the first war I saw, my cries shattered mountains. And after the sixth or seventh ethnic cleansing, I just... Well, you know. 
you grow numb to it after a while. Yeah, it's, you just kind of get used to it. She nods and she like stops messing with the petitioners as she walks because it's pretty obvious you're not impressed, basically. And she says, Nim and I served a great god, a god of luck and travel and change, but she abandoned this world. So ashamed was she of those who prayed to her. Oh, what happened? Something terrible happened, and she was powerless to stop it. She could not interfere. Well, that's a bummer. I take it you understand the analogy? Yes. (laughs) Interfering, you see, is not just a matter of troop strength and numbers. It's a connected world we live in. If I send a battalion of devilkin to raise the prime material plane, the forces of Mount Celestia or Isgard send their ranks here to strike at us, and then the demons sense weakness and then they invade, and then the forces of Mechanus see that the abyss is ripe for order, and then they invade the abyss, and then it's just infinite war forever. I could see how that could look like a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I started the scene with her casually just mutilating souls to establish her being a badass. And yet you're willing to go so much farther than she is. And I don't know how to role play that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) She looks at you and she says, perhaps you would feel different if you shoulder the responsibilities that I do. Oh, I'm sure I would. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I wouldn't. Nim and I resented our god for so long for her inability and unwillingness to intercede when her help was necessary. But now that I have felt the pressures of leadership, I understand the burden, and I understand all too well, more than I want to, how limited my powers are. I I think I see what you're saying. You seem to be someone who prefers to speak plainly, so I will not waste your time. I cannot give you an army of devilkin. I don't need a whole army. However. Okay. If you were, for example, able to subjugate some souls and you took them to the prime material plane and found them suitable hosts to construct an army, perhaps an army of... Vampire paladins ensouled with devil souls, for example, Hmm. that would be quite an army of magic-resistant armored murderers. I have a feeling this is going to be on the test later on. (laughs) And I wouldn't be responsible for such an action. As example, that would be the action of a rogue Nixie and her murderous mob of devil-infused Super vampires. Ah. I like the way you think. I thought nothing. I'm just giving examples. Oh, yeah. I like the way you make examples. The way I think hypothetically. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I'm sorry that I must decline your proposal. Oh, no. It's totally okay. (laughs) It would be a shame if you were to upset 
if you were to upset the power balance of the multiverse and plunge us into perpetual warfare. But I'm going to return to my keep now. And if some souls go missing, you know, loss prevention is not perfect. And you, we can write those losses off in the next fiscal quarter. What is it? The majority of, of theft is committed by employees? <laughs> <laughs> we factor that in, in our reports and our projections you understand your soul economy my literal soul economy (laughs) and so she turns and puts a hand on your shoulder and says i don't know if you're crazy or you just don't fully comprehend all of the ramifications of your actions or if you're just so old and jaded and bitter that you don't think about those kind of things anymore and i'm jealous of all of those possibilities but Good luck, Theodora, and I guess by extension, Gonador. Thanks. I mean, we we really just want to fuck things up. <laughs> That's clear. That is so clear and evident and obvious. Thank you. So that was in character. She's like, <laughs> she's like, okay. Well, I was gonna do some like cool devil shit with like fire and steel and you know, be just be really profane and disrespectful to all these people who just died and their families are still grieving, but. You're probably just going to think about cookies or whatever while I'm doing that, so (laughs) I might as well get back to my blood fountain. I am going to miss the hell cookies when I leave here. Fresh maggots. That's the secret. That extra soul. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, peace, fish lady. Not a finger gunzer. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know what it means. Oh, God. All right. She walks back up the the queue, up back through the gates and back to her house. She's walking a little bit faster. Like, she came into this, like, a mob boss, and she's leaving, like, someone who just, like, released a couple of hunting dogs. And it's like, oh, I don't know. Just go do some violence. It's fine. <laughs> so, back in Ilium, what have you guys been doing while Theodora is, frankly, above and beyond all of my expectations for her? Uh, Mara's eating jam. Trying to complete this fucking maze. Do, do you have any specifics of the Constitution you want to actually say on air, or do you just want to leave it ambiguous? Uh, no, I'd rather leave that ambiguous. Okay, I just didn't know if you guys had anything in mind. It was like, Taco Tuesdays will be enforced at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> the point of Ilium is that anyone can have Taco Tuesday whenever they want. No one can tell them otherwise. This is about freedom, damn it. And the camera zooms out and you're at a political rally and it's just about <laughs> Taco Tuesday. This is how she keeps winning re-election. She keeps hammering in on that Taco Tuesday point. The crowd loves it. Mm-hmm. And now you have a new part, which you've added to the rally recently, where it ends with you doing drumming and Veltaria comes on with a guitar. <laughs> and then it's like, tacos for everyone. And then it's like a sick solo. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have the taco jam. And, and the jam portion of the jam is Winifred, who comes out and hands out jam while we jam. Yeah, the Jam Caucus is pro-Zoe, always. Does Winnie make jam that tastes like tacos? None of this seems to offer a lot of protections. This part here looks like it has potential for exploitation by people who want to do embezzling this part. Not if you solve the maze, it goes right through that part then, and then it's not legal anymore. (laughs) Zoe just signs all of it as Roland is (laughs) mid-telling you why it's very bad. I'm I'm gonna I'm going to do an investigation check to see how bad this is. It's very bad. Twenty one. It confirms it's bad. Probably. It won't hold up in court. Uh, what do you guys do on your probably last downtime scenes for season three? 
I have a couple of like small things that I want to get out of the way during this last downtime. Um, I'm assuming that Carrie just got the heck out of town as soon as the barrier was down. Yep, everyone tells you that she pieced out. Apparently she stole a lot of really expensive liquor on the way out. <laughs> that sounds like her, and that's fine. Um, so in that case, without Carrie around, I want to go and talk to Sylvia Bell. Alrighty then, you can go over to the witch's house, Sylvia the Shadar Kai, and she is very busy. She's basically the most popular chef in Ilium. She is like, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, no... The Emerald Agassi. She's the Emerald Agassi of Ilium. I wanted to say Guy Fieri, but we already did Guy Fieri jokes in season two. That would have been and, 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 she, and she's not the Bobby Flay. Cause... I thought you were going to say something about Zumbo. <laughs> Lauren and I have been very into Zumbo, the Australian dessert chef recently. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to relate to this, Lauren. <laughs> uh, you don't know they have Netflix? I assumed that was a new Pokemon that came out. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very, Zumbo is a perfect name for a Pokemon. All right, so you go to Sylvia's house. She's in the middle of making some um, cheesecake. Hey, Sylvia, how are you doing? Pretty good, I got cake. Cake is cake is pretty good. Uh, y- you know what is better than cake? Nothing. Literally nothing, but go ahead and try. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you're going to agree with me that there's something better than cake. Really cool body scars. Well, body modification is part of my culture, and it's not really like a cool thing. It's almost like spiritual, but go ahead with the appropriating my business. <laughs> hey, hey, so, like, let let me know if this isn't cool, but, like, long story short, I, I went through a journey of uh, self-discovery a little while ago that involved talking to my six-year-old self inside of a mirror prison, to come to terms with my own personal demons. It was a whole very... It, it was a whole ordeal I went through. Are you sure you just didn't take mushrooms? <laughs> uh, uh, if, if I did, Roland did too, and that seems very out of character for him. Mm-hmm. Very funny, though. It, it, if we had a shared trip, that's quite impressive. But, um, yeah, so... And I, I want to just, like, pull back the wrist and show, like, during this whole time, I've been keeping up the... The every now and then, what was the spell I was using to um make the flower appear on my arm? Sorry, disguise self. It was just it was disguise self. Yeah, I've been I've been generally keeping up this flower on the wrist, uh, the dandelion, and I just want to be like, I may have, while definitely not high, promised six year old me that I would carry this with me. Getting it scarred into myself seems like a pretty good way to keep it as a permanent part of my skin. Can you maybe help with that? I can do it with magic, or I can do it the traditional Shadar Kai way, which involves, well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, venom. You're the, you're the expert here. I mm. All I know is I promised six-year-old me in a weird mirror dimension I would do this, so like I, I trust the expert on scars. No, I mean, I can do it. I just ask, like, what's your pain tolerance like? Because for us, it's about, like, being reminded of your mortality. So it hurts like dying. I can do it. Don't get it twisted. I just want to I want to be upfront and clear and, like, so we uh, informed consent is important. I I can consent, consent to some pain. Like, a big part of the deal of this is, like, this is supposed to be something that I cannot forget. So... Let's 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 go with the let's go with the death venom. Okay, she can do this. Actually, she's gonna take uh the venom from Penny's 
animal totem, the incredibly deadly, dangerous scorpion she has, and she's going to do this to you. Can you do a constitution saving throw for me to see if the pain does anything permanent to you? It's very bad. Seven. Oops, very bad. You pass out and you have to go back several times because it is, it's not just the most painful thing you've ever felt. It unlocks just like nerves and sensory perception you didn't even realize. It expands your universe in a kind of religious way. Um, <laughs> it's extremely, actually, here's what I'm going to do. Can you, I'm going to raise your max hit points by five because you now have, you are, you have found within yourself a well of stamina you didn't realize you could access before. <laughs> Wait a minute. This sounds suspiciously like Final Fantasy 2. So you're saying that the way we should have been powering up our characters is by intentionally attacking each other <laughs> over and over again to raise our health? Oh, man. That's the second worst design Final Fantasy. Besides 8, come at me. Come at me. Just come at me, everyone. Anyway. Hooray! Five additional max hit points. Is there anything else you want to do, uh... In the meantime, Viltari, you get your dandelion tattoo. It is very good looking when it's finished, but in the meantime, it is a just a ghastly scab. Uh, the the only other person I want to make sure that I talk to on our sort of remaining downtime is I want to go and see how Wolf's doing. Uh, Wolf's doing pretty good. He's a park ranger now. <laughs> Let's see. What's, what does he have? He has an elephant. He has a bunch of native fauna. He's got the worm. Of course, uh, a bozog or two, although they're sapient. They're, they're just as like smart and capable as humans, elves, or dwarves. But Wolf doesn't know that. <laughs> so he keeps trying to corral the bozogs. Um, but Wolf s- sees you walking over to his nature preserve and he says, Oh, hey, it's a justice friend. I'm, I'm a justice friend, am I? Yeah, I, I kind of I got over our whole thing. It's been a while. I've changed. I've grown. I've gone through a whole thing. I've I've gone through a whole thing too. Uh, I I had to I had to face down like a hundred versions of myself for a while. It was it was a weird, scary experience. How, how how was your changing things experience? I smashed a bunch of skeletons and then I petted an elephant, and it's been revelatory. It sounds like you have found your own brand of justice and made some friends. <laughs> justice involves a lot more trunks than I thought it did. <laughs> I I can't say that I encountered many trunks while attempting to do justice myself, but that's probably a sign that I was doing justice a bit wrong. Uh, you, I, I wasn't doing the best of jobs with it, was I? You should come get a hit off this trunk. It's very good. I, I come over and and see what the deal is with the trunk. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's, it's, a good it's a good trunk. That's Yeah, you want to roll to find out how good the trunk is? Uh, what do I need to roll to find out how good the trunk is? Animal handling. Oh yeah, I have really good animal handling. I have plus six. <laughs> Thirteen. That's above average. The trunk is pretty good. Uh, you don't understand trunks on like a deeper level, an intimate level. Like you haven't mastered the trunk, but you're familiar with the trunk now. I'm not gaining a max HP boost because of how much I understand the trunk or anything. Uh, yeah, if you had crit, I would have given you proficiency with trunks. <laughs> uh, can, can I? Can I just like... 
come back like five or six more times during this downtime episode to try and get proficiency in trunks. Are you trying to grind trunks? <laughs> yes, I'm trying to min-max by getting my trunk proficiency. Okay. This, is, this, this, this is starting to sound a lot more like Final Fantasy 2 at this rate, you know? People say they want more RPG shit in our show. They're like, why don't you get into more fights? Kill some random thieves or something. Kill some highwaymen. Here we are. Because murder hoboing actually isn't the most efficient way to gain experience in D&D. Shh, they don't know that. Um, <laughs> what was that other role? We have another role. I'm role. just continuing to roll to see if I can get my... my Lo- <laughs> <laughs> Laura, <laughs> Laura, stop grinding trunks! <laughs> uh, can I get my crit in trunks? No. No. He cuts you off. No more trunks. You're in trunk timeout. I, f- I failed to crit in trunks after like six attempts. I'm not going to become proficient. <laughs> Anybody else want to tell me what you guys do in your downtime time? That's I could have se- fixed that. Sentence. I have one thing on my list. I mean, there's not a lot of things Roland would be doing outside of trying and failing to help Zoe establish uh, reasonable uh, bylaws for, mm-hmm. the, for the town. Um, the big one would be that Roland would do would be to take Mara and head over to where they buried Warder. That's you, Lauren. Yes. I thought he was going to say more. <laughs> Roland will approach Mara, who probably is staying in one of the rooms at the avant-garde place. There is a vacant room. There is a vacant room. It's Dora's room. It's true, but... And Dora did take all her shit out of it. It's a little moist and clammy, but... At one point, Roland will approach Mara and it's like, wanted to show you something really quick. Okay, sure. I told you that Warder told me about what was happening outside of Ilium, and since it was his body that came in through the barrier, it didn't seem right to keep him out in the open, so we ended up burying him in town, so. Oh, oh. Uh, Roland will lead Mara over to where they buried Warder with the Probably the very simple grave doesn't even probably have much ornamentation around it, I think, because there wasn't much time for that. I still don't know how any of this would have panned out, Mara, if he hadn't come in like that. If, well, if Iris didn't send him in like that. I don't think she had any idea that anything would have panned out the way it did. I don't, yeah, I don't think she knew either. I mean, I'd probably be a vampire by now. And then I probably would end up having to fight you if I came across you. Yeah, and then she wouldn't have been there to heal you during the Danto fight, and he could have killed you. Like, <laughs> house of cards. Choices. I guess in a way, his final act was, like, saving me or whatever. That's pretty cool. It was very on brand for him. wonder how the others are doing as, well, vampires. Can't imagine there's very many left. Well, we did leave that place in a bit of a power vacuum, but... I wonder if I'll have to kill more vampires that used to be my friends when I go back. Seeing even what the underlings are like, you can only imagine what the more powerful ones are like and what they are doing. So we have to deal with that in the long term, even if for right now there are still questions around here that are left to be answered. I know that when the time comes, you'll be there with me. And, you know, until that happens, I'll be here to help you. Thank you, Mara. Yeah, of course. Roland's going to take a moment to like, kneel down at the, uh, at the grave and just put his hand on the spot where they bury Warder and says, not sure if you're listening or if you can hear me, Warder, but thanks again. I was able to do just like you said. Wouldn't have been able to do it without you. 
Maya's just gonna like put her hand on Roland's shoulder, like com- comfortingly. I feel like most of our scenes end with somebody putting their hand on someone else's shoulder or someone hugging someone, and I'm very into it. I like our very <laughs> emotionally supportive, good friends and family groups. And there's Dora. Used to be a good kid. Uh, so the only downtown scene I need Zoe to have is she needs to go see Claire. All right, you go. Walk, just walk into Tarsus. You got your big mayor sash on. <laughs> it just says mayor. It's spelled wrong. It's amazing. I'm going to assume someone else misspelled it. Uh, well, I mean, Zoe's dyslexic, so I think what I was going for for there was you. But I mean, if you want Winifred to be a goofer, <laughs> he can be a goofer too. I just didn't know. I had hoped someone would have corrected her. She spelled mayor wrong on the sash at some point. Like, hey, uh. I mean, Winifred definitely noticed. He just didn't want you to feel bad. Oh, well, that's, uh, good of him. Article 420 of the Constitution is that mayor is spelled that way now. Well, it's hard to tell because that part's also part of the word puzzle. So you, <laughs> have to, you have to circle, like, other words and puzzles within it, so it's kind of tough to figure it out. It's going to keep legal scholars busy for centuries. <laughs> so, like, question is, are these laws, like, put out on, like, the tables at the, uh, at Tarsus and people are given crayons to interact with it? Is that the plan? Yeah, you get a constitution with every meal. Okay. All right, so you walk into Claire's office. She's doing the uh, she's doing the Sudoku in the corner of Article 69. <laughs> hey, uh, how you doing? Uh, okay, this is really hard. What is it free speech or not? I don't... I hate this thing. You're supposed to put two eights in the bottom row. It's like a trick Sudoku. <laughs> it's a magic eye Sudoku. Yeah, if you, like, stare at it cross-eyes for a while, then you get to see a giraffe. <laughs> oh, we should get a giraffe for Wolf's Preserve. I feel like I shouldn't be bringing more animals <laughs> into this world. I've, I I think I created the, the sentient race. Yeah, the Bozog ate all of the carrots. There's no more carrots in this entire hemisphere. Good job. Wait, so Bozog eat carrots? Is that canon? <laughs> it is now. I gotta be very careful because I'll just say shit. I don't think about anything I say before I say it. It just comes out in a torrent. So I'm gonna definitely establish some shit that I'm gonna have to walk back at some point. <laughs> um, the only thing I... Someone clipped the uh, actual origin of Bozog from another podcast I do. And there's not... You're not missing much if you haven't heard it. It's literally just a joke. Like, there's a creature called Bozog and they talk like this. The only other thing we ever even said about them is that they're non-gender bind. They're non-binary. I don't know. I don't know what the implications of that. Maybe they reproduce by like budding, like sponges. Sure, <laughs> it couldn't hurt to say that out loud, Austin. You idiot. But anyway, Bozogs. So you know, dealing with that. <laughs> but um, hey, how are you? Uh, how are you doing? Um, we're selling a lot of alcohol. Everyone was very stressed <laughs> for a while, and we have a lot of newcomers and disputes and stuff. But I mean, that's mostly Penny. That's P Biz. You know how it is. Yeah, I know all about the P Biz. Don't we all? Um, personally, I've just been trying to make sure that uh the people get along, the newcomers and the. It's just I'm learning. I'm faking it till I make it. So I'm as good as I can be. Thank you for asking. Yeah, that's good. Um, but um, hey, I just wanted to to touch base with you on something so it, it took a while to get the whole story uh concerning Nazriel. that's the squid guy right yeah yeah okay um and how he died and everything i guess you were there when it happened yeah robin melted him i tried to get him to stop and I, at the last second i thought i was gonna intervene but i was my brain was bleeding Azrael exploded my brain 
And then I decided not to risk dipping my hand into flesh-eating acid to retrieve a bad guy. Yeah, uh, I know what the uh, the brain-bleeding part feels like. Mm. A couple times, I think, actually. Yeah, it was going around for a while there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I remember all my numbers anymore because of that. <laughs> Who needs them? That's, I mean, that's why the Sudoku is eight used twice, because there's only eight numbers. You need to get yourself a penny. They're very good at counting. WinBiz is much better than PBiz. I'm not going to lie. Oh, dang. I thought he, I mean, he is great for morale. I'll give you that. But um, to kind of the point, are you okay with everything that happened with Azriel? I mean, I didn't love seeing a person dissolved. I mean, he was a turtle at the time, but still gross, icky, didn't like it. It's almost like, like, you know, like little things that like Stella would do. Like she would like ignore you when you were talking because she was like busy doing some boring homework or whatever. Or like mom would get you like a $5 present and get Stella like a $50 present. And you just like, like the little things and you dwell on them. But then a big thing happens and it's like so much that you like, you can't, your brain can't even get all the way around it even though like it should be 10 times worse does that make sense it's like it's terrible what happened but also my feelings aren't as big as the thing that happened yeah i I get what you're saying it's sort of weird to see someone die i just wanted to see if you had worked through it at all and if not if you needed anyone to listen it was just like if it had been a centipede, right? That'd have been <laughs> so much better. Like they don't even have faces, right? Yeah, you can't just look at it. it's. Mm, and it was just like gooey, and I didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it was a bad guy. I'll say that. I guess I know like good and evil are like quantifiable things, but it's tough to kind of see anyone as absolutely bad. That's true. Like there's magic, and sometimes you can scientifically test if it's good or bad. And also, like, Lady Nim was kind of, like, a pretty reasonable person on some level, and Warden Light was kind of a dick a lot of the times. So, I'm not a philosopher. (laughs) But it it doesn't quite seem fair that there are just good guys and bad guys. Yeah. Gray's hard to deal with. Although Acid does a pretty good job. I've learned that. (laughs) That is a certainty we can hold on to in this universe. Yeah, I guess every- everyone still burns an Acid the same, right? (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the lesson I'm gonna learn from this. <laughs> that's the what I choose to take away. Uh, I mean, thanks though. Are are you good, little sister? I mean, I was until you said it like that. And now I feel like you're condescending to me. <laughs> I, you know, I just want to make sure my baby sister's doing okay, all right. Well, I, I'm not a as Grace is so fond of saying. I'm not a baby. You are in a way. So I'm not a baby. <laughs> Look, you're the baby sister. This is what you get. Yeah, you have yeah, baby. <laughs> you're a dork. A massive dork. A little baby dork. You just came in here and tried to get me to talk about feelings so you could dunk on me. I see what you're up to. Get out of here. <laughs> That's my game. And I finished your word search while you weren't looking. I'm going to repeal all of this with fire. <laughs> Later, loser. <laughs> Learn how to spell. <laughs> What? There's a Q. It's <laughs> yeah, McQuire. <laughs> All right. Does anybody else have anything? No. Because there's a character who we don't know much about who has a mysterious orb. 
And I feel like with two or three episodes left, we should probably address some of that. I think you'll maybe right. Wait, wait, is the person with the orb, what, Robin? Um, He's full of orbs, yeah. He turned back into a slime and he's just collected all the orbs in the realm. Oh, he's like a, he's like a, a gelatinous like Sonic the Hedgehog, except mm. he collects orbs instead of rings. Please don't say the phrase gelatinous Sonic the Hedgehog ever again. <laughs> gelatinous Sonic the Hedgehog. So that's like the anti-evil Shrek? <laughs> Do you guys know there's a new game out called Sonic Forces where you can make your own OC in the Sonic universe? I'm definitely doing gelatinous Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I, I googled Laura the Hedgehog and I spent a portion of today trying to create the first Google image search result. Nice. I googled Austin the Hedgehog and then I just had to jack it because he was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, alright. Well, that's a side of you that I don't know if I ever want to hear about again. Listen, Sonic is inherently sexual, and anyone who says otherwise is trying to sell you something. He does gotta go fast. I can't tell if Chris the Hedgehog is uh, inflatable porn, or if he's got, like, a really bad breathing disorder. Mm. Every image of him is with him with an oxygen tank. Mm. <laughs> All right, Google your name, the Hedgehog, if you don't understand what we're talking about. Oh, it's bad! <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so Stellarosa, you have a puzzle sphere. You're inside of Hawthorne House. Um, is there anything you want to establish about this scene? Because Chris, as a player, you know some things about it, but there's also things I am keeping from you. Which is rude. It is very rude. But what what exactly is Stella Ursa up to? Because right now, you are kind of hiding from your sister. <laughs> Hiding's not the term she would use. Giving herself appropriate distance and privacy so that she can continue on her work uninterrupted, is what she would say. Okay. Uh, so she set up herself rather uh, quaintly inside of the Hawthorne House ruins. She has... Uh, you know, made sure that Jesus the dog has his proper lodgings and, and, and comfortable. He has a big lawn to float around on. Holy shit, this is like dog heaven. There's like a fucking- So many bones. There's an infinity of bones here. I hadn't even considered that. And there's also a lot of syrup from way back when that's probably still spilled out in the back lawn. Love to lick that syrup. Yeah. Gotta lick that syrup. So so Jesus is very, very happy he's set up. And- uh Stelros is busy kind of examining the puzzle box, you know, working on it, and then kind of constantly referring to her own notes that she has, which, you know, at first glance, you'd be like, oh, that must be like her spell book because it's so full. But it's basically just filled with various notes that she has on this thing. Um, It seems to be excessively intricate. Yeah. So the puzzle orb has been described a couple of times. It's basically like if Jonathan Blow designed a... Professor Layton puzzle. That is an inaccessible reference. Why do I even talk? <laughs> it, 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 so, 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 it's, so basically, it's like the entirety of the witnesses' most bullshit puzzles, but encapsulated in a whimsical anime-ish presentation. Yeah, it's like like a golden orb, like the size of like a softball, maybe, and all across its surface are like lines and dots and shapes and language, numbers, musical symbols. It's the most terrifying puzzle game puzzle ever and they all all there's like things you have to spin and there's things you have to push in and there's all it's it's as elaborate as it could possibly be i'm pretty sure you could just buy that on the ios app store for like two dollars though so (laughs) you know 
But it also, solving it isn't just like solving a Rubik's cube where you're just like, oh, I just gotta line the things up. It's like, it requires knowledge of a ton of different disciplines. Like some of the ridges on the side represent a mathematical formula, which you solve to understand which moon phase has to be active for you to turn one of the tiles. And then one of them is like, it's music. And you so you have to translate the music into verses from a certain religious script that talk about like mathematical angle it's like it's all of that garbage it's taking you months and months and months stellarosa so it's basically the uh the investigation puzzles from the secret world that's a good reference though that's another obscure reference i just wanted to pile one on top of another (laughs) are there any other hard puzzle references anyone wants to throw out nicholas cage in national treasure is mine i mean those are pretty easy no no i think the puzzle is why he's in there in the first place that's the puzzle Oh, because he's a national treasure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm also going to throw out the Da Vinci Code. Anybody else want to get in here? The water's fine. Um, um, Indiana Jones. Come on, guys. Get on my level. Phoenix Wright's got some good the ones. Flower, Sun, and Rain, if we want to go down that particular route of games. Uh... It's, so it's a super difficult golden sphere. Do you want to tell the people what you know about it, or do you want to save that for a character-to-character discussion? Oh, for its purpose? Because right now you have reached an impasse and I, you have an intelligence score sufficient to realize you're going to need help. So a conversation is coming. We can do that there or we can do that now. Uh, as she realizes she needs help, yeah. she will try to figure out the area of expertise that she needs help with. That's a very good question. Here's the thing is that you think you've solved it. Like weeks ago, you pushed all the tiles into place and all the lines lined up and all the dots corresponded to the correct algorithm and you're like this should be it but nothing happened it didn't pop open there wasn't like a musical chime it didn't summon anything and you were so you spent like weeks going back over your work checking it it's like it i did it what's nothing's happening and it just won't open and that's what you've been doing recently and you there is some kind of trick some kind of like thing that you can't account for. You think maybe you like have tunnel vision, like you're too close, you've been working too hard on it and you need like an outside perspective to shake you up. But you think you've solved the basic clues, the stuff that, for example, isn't interesting to listen to on a podcast. <laughs> just just as, you know, throwing that out there as like a possibility. Because I imagine a party themselves might at some point come to her rather than Stella Rosa like abjectly deciding to just talk to the party to solve this instead of one of the other like many like magical contacts she probably has over her career it's up to you you can uh talk to the party who you already have rapport with you can roll for investigation to find somebody in town you can just use your out of character knowledge to uh concoct a scenario where you go door to door and just end up at the npc you want it's up to you yeah i mean i guess i'll do a investigation to see if anyone in town if she can what you can glean from people in town if anyone seems like they'd be particularly helpful with this Mm mm-hmm uh, wow, crit fail. She didn't know anybody in town. You botched. Ooh, that's exciting. That means I get to make this very hard for you. Mm. So you walk around town and you're trying to listen to rumors to see who might be the person to solve the, the riddle, right? You're listening to maybe hear chatter about a very smart person, someone with like a lot of experience and wisdom. And you hear talk of someone, they describe him as being like one with nature and like he's uh, very at peace. And he has like, you think maybe it sounds like some kind of wise man. This is someone who like, meditates under waterfalls and so forth and you follow those clues to find ishmael blood mountain who is high as fuck is the technical term and he is laying sprawled in a field and you approach this person and you think 
well, this seems like someone who's pretty chilled out and one with the universe. Maybe he has some secrets. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, hey, man. What's uh, what's up? Not much. Saw you relaxing here. Thought I could uh, maybe uh, try to get on your vibe. Yeah, you ever look at the sky? It's like, it's wild, man. It's crazy. The endless cosmos beyond it. Yeah, what, is, what are they hiding in there? Oh, I bet all sorts of amazing things. <laughs> I bet it's snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Secret snacks. So, do you like puzzles? Yeah, it's the twisty things with the salt. <laughs> uh, similar, but not quite like a pretzel, a puzzle, like a, a game that requires you to use your mind to solve. Oh, yeah, man, I love games. You ever do the one where, like, you got to put the, the gnome and then you f- you flick him and he has to go through the, the uprights? <laughs> that sounds like what we know as paper football, but a far more malicious and cool version that uses <laughs> living people as the uh, the ball. <laughs> yeah, man, it's good. It sounds great. Uh, similar to that, though more of a cerebral sort of game. Oh, I don't really like cereal. <sighs> So I was wondering if you might be able to look at this puzzle I have and show up, bring it out. Yeah. Hell, hell yeah, man. Let me let me add that one. Ask if she has honey mustard sausage. <laughs> Ishmael takes the puzzle and he looks at it very intensely, very pensively, and then he pops it right into his mouth. <laughs> she has no response to this right now. All right. Uh, he swallows it. Uh... <laughs> you botched you should know giant heimlich <laughs> oh no mm. i mean you could just wait you'll get it back in a day ah! i'm debating on that or doing something far more serious ishmael falls asleep yeah, I guess I just have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> okay, day two of our puzzle adventure. It, it was that or literally uh, attacking him to get it out with a spell. Probably bad, the blade singers would descend on you. <laughs> no. All right, so you get the orb back on the second day. It's, it's bad. <laughs> what do you do now? I love that we're back on our investigative bullshit, which I'm very excited about. I guess I'll... Just see if anyone in the general area knows again. 26 this time. Oh, that's very good. All right, so you listen better this time. <laughs> uh, and here's what you know with a 26, is that there's someone in town who both uh, is descended from a magical being and who is a metalsmith, a, a magical metalsmith. The boot, which sounds like something probably useful for your enchanted metal item. Very good. Then she will find this person. All right, so you find Grace Rosemary. Uh, she has moved into Azrael's house, which she has fixed up. Uh, that was once a just abandoned, broken house. It now is much nicer, and it's like her own little uh, bachelor pad that she has kind of pimped out. Uh, there's more. There's no. You cannot see the floor in this house because there are books on every single inch of the floor. So that is a fun detail for you. But besides that, it looks like a pretty nice like college dorm room. <laughs> Uh, that Grace has made for herself because the tower is gone. Makes sense. Uh, I will knock on the door. 
she tries to open it and it, she can only open it a couple inches because there's just too many books. Uh, sorry, hold on. I got this. You just hear her like pushing a pile of books away and then she opens the door for you. Oh, thank you very much. Hello. How are you? My name is Stella Rosa. Oh, hi. I don't know you. No, I'm somewhat new to this town, and I was wondering, I had heard quite a lot about your skill with metalworking and your incredibly sharp mind, and I was wondering if you might be able to help me out with a little puzzle box that I've been trying to figure out the trick to. Okay. I bill by the hour. <laughs> she, she looks at your puzzle box. Uh, she looks at all the symbols and stuff on it, and she says, wow, this is, who made this? It's like perfect and i don't mean i'm not trying to be flattering i mean like like to an atomic level a god made it okay i have one of those too and she pulls out she has the first frost on a necklace it's, you don't know what it is it's just a snowflake that never melts on a necklace as far as you can see but she pulls it out from like under her collar and you can see that she has that and she says uh does yours do anything cool it could do something quite incredible once it's opened, but until then, it's just a rather infuriating puzzle box. What does it do when it opens? It changes the way things can work. Can you be less cryptic? <laughs> what would you like it to do? I would like it for it to explain to me how to make something so good, because I could do that. I made some stuff for some people, and I traded them, and it's very good to know how to make things... Of this kind of quality. Well, it would do just that then. Oh, so it's like a genie in here. Somewhat. Not quite, but more or less. Oh, cool. I would love to see your genie. Um, that sounded weird. I don't know why I said it like that. Um. <laughs> it's fine. It's not the weirdest thing I've heard today. <clears throat> okay. Huh. So let me see. She looks over it and she says, I don't know all of these symbols and stuff. I think I'm going to need a little bit more information. Is there a specific problem you're having? It feels as though I've solved it, mm -hmm. but nothing's happening. And I just need to see if someone else who maybe hasn't had experience with it could provide some sort of new level of insight. Okay, that is very helpful. So if you think you've solved it, my intuition is, and I say this as someone who spent a lot of time with a very celestial figure... <laughs> I think maybe it's not just a puzzle. I think it might also be a test. Hmm. Like, you you solve the smart guy part, but maybe there's a thing that's about you or what you want. If it's a genie, like, what are you trying, what are you going to wish for? Maybe that's the, maybe it's related to that. Does that make sense? Like, I think it might be about you and not the symbols and the lines and the markers and the buttons. A philosophical solution. I think philosophy is technically a smart guy thing. Very much so. Some of the smartest people I know are philosophers. Fortunately, that might complicate things on this. The cool stuff isn't really ever simple, is it? Genies are super complicated, so it makes sense for this to be complicated. Yes. Yes, you're quite right on that. My expert advice from someone who lived with an angel for a million years is figure out what you want out of it and attack it from that angle i think that's what it is i think i can like she like moves it from side to side and she says i feel like it's watching me if that makes any sense i don't i can't i don't know if it does that to you when you're holding it but it definitely feels like the solution was within you all along <laughs> ah yes i 
I have heard that one before. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I didn't mean to uh, impede upon your time. What what was the charge again? Do you know this? <laughs> I've been watching too much cooking shows. Do you know those little French pastries? They look like sandwiches, but they're like weird colors. Macarons. Macarons? Is that what you're asking for? As many as you can carry. I mean, give me a day and yes, I can give, happily get you macarons. Good luck with your genie box. I hope you don't have like any weird personal issues that would complicate getting to the source of your wishes and desires with it. Oh no, by no means. <laughs> I don't imagine that will be much of a difficulty. Thank you very much for your time. All right. So you leave. What are you going to do now, Stella Rosa? Uh, she will head over to uh, the mayor's office. Heck. Uh, I guess you knock on the door. Yeah. All right. Winif- Winifred went out for some smokes. <laughs> what? What? Winifred smokes? He smokes? He went out for some pectin. It's completely cool. It's filtered. So I'm just trying to, to think of the image of somebody who smokes when their mouth is literally the top of their head. His mouth isn't the top of his head. Why are you always talking yay about Winifred's mouth? <laughs> it's normal. It's a normal mouth. I'm going to say Roland opens the door. All right. Hello and welcome to the mayor's... Oh, wh- what are you doing here, Stella Rosa? I'm here to see my sister. All right. She's at her desk, uh, which I assume is the kitchen table. Yep, Voltari and Mara are there too, if you guys want to join in on the scene. I'm very excited to hear Chris talk to himself, as well as everyone else. Mayor, Mayor Zoe, you have a guest. Huh? Who is it? Do I, do I have something on my appointment sheet? Did I lose my appointment sheet again? Winifred took it with him. <sighs> Winifred always takes my things that I need to be mayor. Uh, come on <laughs> in, please. Wait, Stella? Hello, dear sister. How are you doing today? This is such a surprise. We had no idea this was going to happen. Uh... You, you can feel free to drop the charade. There's no need to. I'm here to speak with Zoe under my own will. The charade is, is for your benefit as well, just to, you know, give you a second between each time that you and your sister need to say something to you. <laughs> just gives you a second to reset as a pair. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I went to look up flumps in the monster manual to take another look at their mouths, and I went to the W section because my brain has just replaced the word flump with Winifred. <laughs> I was like, where the hell are they? Where are the Winifreds? Anyway, <laughs> sorry. What are you doing here? Well, you see, Zoe, that is a very important question to ask because it involves quite a lot of things but mostly i'm here to speak with you regarding this and uh stellaros is going to take a seat i guess zoe probably has some seating area as mayor for like group council sessions and things like that probably a lot of snacks nearby and she's going to pull out the orb and show it to everybody this orb is a gift you could say from agma the god of knowledge it is a very special relic it's very difficult but if you could solve it the reward is quite incredible what does it give you like a lot of money or something or because they're already guns now so i don't know what else you could get that'd be that cool no not quite like a like a gun or anything like that it more changes the way things work maybe this will help explain a little bit better Imagine you're playing a game of dragon chess, 
with an opponent who is your perfect equal in skill. And you two are playing an incredible game where neither side is able to get the advantage. But then, for one turn, you just change a rule in the game. You can move a piece away it's never been allowed to move before. And suddenly, the entire momentum of that game has shifted. That's what this box can do. So the rule could be anything. There are limits to it. You maybe have heard of the spell Wish. Mm-hmm. This box is something that is both exceptionally smaller in scale and infinitely grander in its own ways. But yes, you can change the way things work with it. Just not enough to completely reshape reality in a cosmic scale. Nothing along those lines. A god would be quite foolish to put an artifact of that level of power into our world. This was more so a gift that Agma left to help out mortals who might need its power, who might have the need to change the way things work. So that's a cool box. Um, <laughs> Orb, it's pretty cool. What does that have to do with Ilium? And like, why are you here? That's because, Zoe, this orb is for you. Or rather, it's to be used for you. Are you going to kill me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to undo the mistake that I made. You're being very cryptic. I feel like this is the kind of thing that your family might know what you're on about, but that the rest of us having to share a room with you have no bloody clue what you're on about. What's the mistake that you made? Unfortunately, my family doesn't know this either. I'm the only one who has bared this weight, although Zoe has suffered herself for it. You see, and I don't want to speak to Zoe as though she's not here in this room, but... (laughs) I was not ignorant to the fact that as a child you were quite frustrated at your inability to succeed in magic in the same way I have. I know it didn't come easy to you, and there are many a nights that I can remember hearing you talk about how you wished you could be more like me, or how you wished you could just learn to control magic the same way I did. You wished magic just came easier to you. And when I heard that... I heard a problem, and I thought of a solution. I knew it was probably going to be an impossible task to just help you learn magic the same way I had. There's some things that come innately to others that doesn't come to others the same way. But if being able to harness magic was your issue, I had devised a possible solution to that. While you were asleep, I prepared a spell for you that turned your body into a arcane beacon of sorts. A pulse that would draw magical energy to it and give you an innate sense of arcane mastery. Of course, this was one of the few times that I made a mistake in my calculations. I had never considered what would happen if I just let magic pour into you unfiltered like that. Are we basically saying that you gave her the wild magic? Quite. Sorry, sis, I turned you into a magic slot machine. My B. (laughs) 
Quite that. I foolishly did not consider that idea, and the resulting cost was the wild magic you see in Zoe now. So, um, why didn't you say anything? Because contrary to perhaps your beliefs, I am not perfect. I am not without flaws, and I had a very human flaw of fear and terror in that moment. And like any guilt, it dwelled on me until I could no longer let it stay anymore. If I am this person in this world who is meant to find solutions to problems, then it would be only right for me to solve the problem I created myself, which is why I cast aside my other responsibilities and devoted myself entirely to this puzzle box, to its solving, and to freeing you of the wild magic curse I put upon you. So, here you go. <laughs> just, like, toss it over the table. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, like, Zoe, I'm just gonna throw a thing out on the table for you. Wild magic. Sure, it's, you know, it's done some weird things in the time I've been around and seen you do it, but it's also done some really cool stuff for you. Like, you know how to play the drums now, that's pretty cool. I don't know, this is obviously me talking from an outside perspective, and you might just be like, nope, want rid of it, but... I don't reckon you need to get rid of the the wild magic. I think it's been really cool for you. I mean, yeah, it's done some pretty cool things, but, I mean, it's also done some really bad and dangerous things. I mean, my magic was part of the reason Garrick the Great escaped the first time we fought him. Mm-hmm. And it's also almost gotten some of us killed before. Plus... I know it seems kind of goofy and silly at times, but there's a lot of weight that comes with constantly creating sentient life that, like, comes into this world. Plus, I never really know what the next time I cast a spell was going to happen. I mean, I can't stop and worry about it or I'd never get anything done, but, I mean, there is the possibility that next time I cast a spell, it could, like, drop the sun on the planet. So is Veltari's argument keep Zoe weird? Yeah, keep... <laughs> The me- the Zoe Mayor weird. What is it that you want with regard to all this? I mean, I don't know. A lot of stuff just kind of got dropped on me at once, and I don't process that stuff really great really fast, and you should know that. Also, you have another sister you don't know of, Stella Rosa. You should go check on that, <laughs> uh, but that's for later. I guess I just want to help out the people of Ilium, and I don't know what would be better to... Hold on to the orb until I could use it for something, or to make it so I don't potentially destroy the town with the spell. If your goal is to protect the people here, could you use it to make another barrier? I don't know. Could I? And uh, Stella Rosa will pipe in and say, uh, So, I don't know everything regarding your barrier. You all were rather dodgy on that the first time. But from what I understand, it was something caused by a being outside of even the planes of the gods. So I don't know if a relic from a god would be able to replicate something that was beyond even them. So several people in this scene are smart enough to put these together, so I'm going to say it out of character. Mm-hmm. The, these ideas all being thrown out at the same time click in your head the fact that if this is a device from a god then it is on that power level of the gods. And currently in town, there is a big, big orb full of power of the forms, which is much greater than the gods. So 
I think it's a pretty ABC mathematics to get mm-hmm. to the possibility that if you can't solve this thing the way it was designed, mm-hmm. you could break it if you could figure out a way to channel guilt's energy that's still in the orb. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying that's option two when option one is solve it the way it was designed to be solved. Is there something that Roland could try to infer from it as a different perspective that an investigation an investigation or a religion role could impart? Oh, a religion role on this orb is long overdue, definitely. 19 on that. Uh, that's very good. So you know Agma is the god of knowledge. He knows everything. He has all of his knowledge stored in a great golden library in his sanctum. It's like the greatest repository of information in all the universe. And you know that there are some rumors about this orb. You don't know about it that much. It's not like the Holy Grail. It's not like one of the mm-hmm. the tier one artifacts. But you, you, you've heard like vague references to it before. And no one's ever solved it. So no one knows exactly what it does, but you're struck by the thought that it doesn't seem very Ogma to do this. Because the problem with it is that Ogma is, if I'm not mistaken, diametrically opposed to secrets. Yeah, secrets are the opposite of knowledge. Yeah, it's what I'm saying is, is Stellarosa is a more secular character. She's a wizard, so she learns her information. She loves knowledge, not so high in the religion. So Roland, a perspective you can bring to the mystery of the orb is right. this seems out of character for its source. It doesn't seem like an artifact that Ogma would be associated with. How did you acquire this in the first place? This is what the whole alliance with Dante was about. It was being kept in one of those vaults in Akamoros. Almost as if it was hidden away. Nobody says. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know it's from that god specifically? Actually, Mara could also do a religion check if she wanted to, but... Yeah, I was just thinking that. Let's watch Lauren just like roll natural 20 here. <laughs> I crit! Oh, oh! Called it! <laughs> Christ on a cracker. All right. Suck it. <laughs> I'm trying to think how Mara would know something that Roland doesn't. We've established Roland as like the biggest smarty pants. Is it something that Mara picked up in a way Roland wouldn't? Roland has 20 intelligence, 8 wisdom. Mara has 12 intelligence, but 20 wisdom. So like there is an insight that she possesses that Roland simply doesn't when it comes to things. So Honestly, she just was like reading through some old dusty tomes or some shit. I like to think, or Mara was like, Roland overlooked it because it seemed like it was a more of a, a a bunch of flights of fancy. Like this was a book that was supposed to be read for fun, and Roland maybe was reading more of the serious books. And right, and yeah, Mara was like, "Oh, this one's full of like people getting their face burned off." <laughs> it was like it was like one of those like Brothers Grimm like dark fairy tale books, basically. Mm. What this reminds you of is there's a story about the god of magic who once created an artifact that was said to be the most powerful magical artifact in existence, and that it was said to be able to like level countries with a single cast. It was like a wand that was so powerful that whoever possessed it would be the most powerful person in existence. And in the story the, that you read, the protagonist finds it, and then in a dark Twilight Zone-esque twist, uh, when, they, when they finally lay hands on it, uh, it, ter- it transforms them into a toad. And it was basically just uh, a cruel trick meant to be meant to be played on people who were too ambitious. And like the the moral of the story is to be humble. Like that was the what the fairy tale was trying to import onto you. But you were just like, 
Man, that would be a really cool wand to have. <laughs> Dang, get me some of that wand. And so that's what this reminds you of, Mara. I tell them that. So what you're insinuating is perhaps this is not an actual gift from Agma itself, but rather more of a test of someone's intentions with the unfortunate implication of being punished should their desires be too selfish. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Uh, and she takes a bite of some toast because she's eating all that jam. <laughs> uh, but it just doesn't seem like it's Ogma because he doesn't like secrets and shit. <laughs> or, and this is once again for your crit, Mara, uh, if it is Ogma, he's trying to test people who would quest for it, mm-hmm. uh, which is also kind of what Grace said, that it's not a puzzle, it's a test. But I say that also. <laughs> So, I don't know, be careful, I guess. It, it it seems like picking this thing up and just going, I wish to be the most badass metal person that's ever existed probably wouldn't be a good idea. You know, like, this isn't a thing we should just go, I want infinity French toast and see what it does. Ooh, French toast. But, like, if we use it a whole bunch, like, and we're selfish and, like, I mean, in the story, it was a toad person, but, like, what if instead it, like, incinerates everything we know and love? I don't know how vengeful Agua is. (laughs) It sounded like you said, I don't know how vengeful Agua is. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good joke for our Spanish speakers out there. Uh, So Stella Rosa will probably just say, well, the situation as it is, the choice was always meant to, and still is yours to make, Zoe. If you want to rid yourself of wild magic, this is perhaps a possible way to do it. If not, perhaps you can determine some other noble goal that may, perhaps this power can be used for. I have the utmost faith you would make a wise decision. So while you guys are poring over all of the secrets of the mystery puzzle orb... We have to think of a, I have to think of a better name for it. I have to be like Morb, mystery orb, morb. Okay, <laughs> you guys are trying to discover the secrets of the morb. Um, God, I'm just bad at this. <laughs> uh, Theodora, you have plane shifted back to the material plane. You have subjugated a number of hellish petitioners, which are just like evil devil souls, basically, and you have made your way to the Ninsen Chapel. Uh oh. Yeah. Where you are planning on holding a kind of fascist vampire rally at which you intend on basically getting them all to agree to be possessed by the souls of these devils and then leading that army into Ilium to raise it to the ground to kidnap Zoe Legrand. How does that sound to you? It sounds good. It sounds pretty good. I'm into it. I'm pretty into it too. So you enter the chapel. It's filled with armored paladins. As we've discussed before, they wear like pure white. They look kind of off-putting because they have to cover all their skin so they aren't scorched by the sun. Uh, You know uh, from your various devilish and Ganador-related contacts the situation, which is that the Order of the Merciful Sword has been thrown into disarray because all their leaders were killed, (laughs) and now they are looking for someone to turn to to lead them. And that person... is me. Uh, So you just walk in, everyone turns and looks at you, and you're just looking like you're... Dastardly self, you've got your bone staff and your cloak covered in eyes and your eyes are pure black and you like walk down the aisle between the pews and everyone's just following you like with their eyes intensely waiting for your speech as you get to the front. Uh, So what do you say to your soldiers? Hello, friends. 
And then you might think, who is this lady? I don't think I'm her friend. I don't even know her. But that's just because you don't know me yet, which is what you just said. <laughs> Anyways, I've been doing some, you know, peeking in on what's going on here. I've been on vacation. And it looks to me like you guys have yourself some sort of predicament. And that it looks like you don't have a leader. And that you have no idea how you could possibly, you know, go on without one. And also avenge your leaders who are murdered. Well, here's the thing. I know who I know who killed all your leaders. And I know where they are. And I have a way to make you more powerful with these cool evil souls. And I do some, like, soul tricks. <laughs> just soul stunts? You just do a bunch of soul stunts. You guys need a leader. I need an army. I have the power of an evil god behind me. I feel like maybe our efforts would be best combined. So here's what I'm offering you. I put a soul in you. Sounds weird, but it's cool. Trust me. <laughs> and then you come with me, and we will march on Alium, which is a town you may or may not have heard of. We'll take some revenge for you guys and for me and do some things that I need to do also. But it's totally about you guys. This is up there with I have a dream. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Why don't you do persuasion with advantage? Because there is a power vacuum and they are interested in what you're selling. But what we should roll. I have 11. And 23. All right. With the 23, they all get to their feet and they you hear some whispering and some stuff as they kind of talk amongst themselves. And then one of them, uh, not really a leader, but the one that they seem to have elected amongst themselves, walks over to you and kneels down in front of you, holding out his huge two-handed sword in front of him. And he says, we pledge our swords to you. And then another one comes up and he kneels down and holds out his sword. And he says, we pledge our swords to you. And they all do this one at a time. And you basically have a, a room full of kneeling paladins. Sweet. Is that what you say? Sweet. Probably whispers that. <laughs> all right, guys, everybody line up single file. And you'll get your soul. So you begin the process of possessing all of the Order of the Merciful Sword with yep. Devilkin. Um, roll perception. Oh, boy. Oh, never mind. You have Perry Mason. Oh, yeah. So while this is happening, so basically from you, just you're the source. All these souls have been subjugated and are inside you. They like scream out in a black streak of like screaming magic and they like slam into these people's body. And Mm -hmm. actually some people get like spooked and try to run out, but they get like basically chased down by the like burned soul creatures, which are emanating from you. It's kind of a horror show, uh, but eventually you transform all of them. But at the same time, you sense underneath you in the basement of this building heartbeats and there's a bunch like 50 and in particular one as you're doing this has just started going berserk who's down there you leader guy tell me so the paladins have finished being converted and one of them stands up and his eyes are like burning red even through he's still wearing the full face mask but you can just see behind them like the magic is so intense and you also have infinite detect magic and he says the nurse. The nurse is downstairs. Just her? Because there seems to be a lot of activity down there. The nurse tends to the blood farm. Uh, one of you underlings, go down there. <laughs> Stop whatever she's doing. They run, they're, very, they're infinitely obedient, so one of the paladins opens the door to the basement and runs downstairs. You hear a struggle down in the basement, and then the paladin drags Iris up onto the ground floor and brings her to you. Find her so she can't do any magic. All right, so they shackle Iris. She, once again, is just an elderly elven lady who is the nurse here. 
She doesn't have any obvious magic. I don't trust anybody anymore. Fair. Who are you and what are you doing down there? If glares could kill a person, you would be red mist. Do I have any spare souls to possess her with? As you go to do that, like even if you raise your staff to do that, she yells out because you bound her, but you did not gag her. She says, kill the Nixie. Oh, boy. And 50 zombies come roaring up from the basement. Well, fuck, what'd you do that for? As always, I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our theme music, including Vampire Spanker, an arrangement of Vampire Killer from Castlevania, and Destiny Forgotten, arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts. Executive producers for the month of November 2017 are Kerstine Haslinger, Jade, Extellaris, Joseph Timbrello, The Cult of Gorfanax, Dr. Goatman, Irving Royale, Ken Fersel, Andrew Grothen, Paul Mullen, Levi the Young, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Kevin Dobbins, Anthony Sauvier, Scott Cummings, Andrew McKitty, Juman Jack, Gwillem Evans, Mel Tiche, George Soros, Arjun DeConing, Grimlock, John Potts, Dawson Parr, Noah Sudret, Ziphosaurus, Elderly Goose, Salad Child, Seraph Stone, Thorsten Gross, Devin Smith, Castor UK, Aki Savalainen, The Paladin's Wife, Florian H., Charm Wilkie, Junk 2.0, Dominic Bowden, Melissa Nielsen, Don, Eugene T, Pruitt Holcomb, Artemis BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Bristol, Francois V, Shyness, Dennis Pancake Detlefsen, Ripter Stormwolf, Miko from Finland, Dennis Bengston, Josh Mosier, Indigo Van Dane, Allison Ansel, Sydney Marzing, Just a Jester, Savard and Akrisimova, Brady Warner, Kitty Foe, James Neely, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stulfar, Sean the host of Funk Dunk Plays, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlotte, Jorrit, Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Michael Hall, Athos, and Ingmar Gremmen. And a special wedding congratulations to the Hadsels. If you want to join this list, you can support the show at patreon.com slash austinyorski, and you could support Chris at patreon.com slash weeklymongarecap, as well as supporting Laura by reading her work at kotaku.com. Co.uk. You can help support the show indirectly by finding us on Google Play, Podbean, iTunes, and anywhere else where you download podcasts and liking, subscribing, or however else you can interact with media in whatever year you're listening to this. As we near the end of season three, let's all cross our fingers that all the big questions are answered. Questions like, 
How many more names can we add to the producers list at the end before we have to spin off the end credits into their own podcast? And will we finally have a season that doesn't end in a total party kill? And of course, the question on everybody's lips, will Leon ever return? Don't take my word for it. Let's hear what he has to say. You, oh God! You quit? No, um, no. I, I very, I very much uh, quit. Yeah. Uh, very abruptly. Yeah. Uh, it, it is absolutely not Austin's fault. I decided for my own reasons to leave. And I think it's actually worked out pretty well for everybody. Like you clearly weren't ha- in taking, you know, you weren't getting anything from it anymore. And we brought Laura, Kate Dale on, and she's been an absolute joy. I think the show is better for it. And while I love what you brought to the game, I also thought. You know, the show has kind of gone in a different direction. It's it's everything has worked out great, but you have to put that cool. work in and you have to have the right expectations. I think um, I think Leon just missed me. 